I mean, for me, it was waking up, going to our WeWork on Sunset, and then setting up a selfie camera, recording videos of myself portraying all colors of the emotional rainbow, while folks uh, would walk around my cubicle with their coffees looking at me wondering why this guy was crying at 8.30 in the morning. Welcome to Success is in the Mind with me, Oliver Bruce. An award-winning podcast by Pinpoint Media, this isn't about the millions, the large houses and the fast cars associated with the term entrepreneur. Instead, we shine a light by speaking to the leaders, the entrepreneurs on the front line by bringing to the forefront the trials, the tribulations, the pains and the determination that it takes to start, run and scale a business. So, what does it take to turn your dream into a reality? Well, find out from those that are currently doing just that. Sadly, this is one of our last episodes of Series 3, but we'll be back in August with more guests, more stories, more production value, and more inspiration. That said, this is a fascinating episode, and one I'm sure we'll look back on in years to come, and dare I say it, you heard it here first. In this episode of Success in the Mind, I look into the future, quite literally, with the founding team member of Avatar Technology Company, Genies, having raised a Series A for $10 million a few years ago, and recently completed a $65 million funding round. Co-founder of Genies, Izzy Pollock, has created with his teams something that's remarkable. These avatars aren't tall blue beings that live in jungles, instead expressive 3D human avatars that closely resemble their real-life counterparts. So if my introduction didn't make any sense at all, to tell us more about this innovative and unique LA startup, please welcome to the show Izzy Pollock. Thank you so much for having me, Oliver. Glad to be on. So you're dialing in from LA, but I've done a bit of research. I've looked into your background. You graduated from university in 2015. You studied film and television production, which was actually the same course that I studied. So you're clearly a kind of creative at heart. But the concept of genies and what you guys do, do you want to just talk to me about that in more detail? Yeah, absolutely. A big smile ripped across my face when you started uh, referencing some of my past. It's so funny when folks do some research on you. Um, And that's so different compared to what I'm doing now. But yes. um, Yeah. Backgrounds in 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 film and uh, filmmaking and acting, um, and now um, you know running uh, strategically how we can bring the genies all around the internet uh, for you. But what are genies and why and how? And I think high level is probably a good place to start. Um, so I guess at our core, it's good to know that we're an avatar technology company. Um, I got into the uh, the company, you know, when the founding team was being built, they were looking for folks to build the personality and the emotions of the avatar. And so I came in with my background and. Uh, and emotional communication, I guess you could say, with acting to to build out how we could build a resonant emotional communication structure that would align with Gen Z behaviors and habits. But really, at our core, we're focusing on on building out this idea of how can you have a digital identity that you bring everywhere? You know, right now, the best I have of getting to know you, Oliver, is a, is a profile picture or a LinkedIn image, this like relic of social media of days gone by, this like MySpace era profile picture, this static little uh, snapshot of who you are. But we're all fully realized creatures spending most of our time in this online world, in this digital world. And we think it's not really commensurate with all the time that we're pouring into these online personas, our Instagrams, our LinkedIn's, our TikToks, et cetera, to just have this MySpace era profile picture. We want to give you something living as a touch point that people can look into and see who you are when they meet you across the the digital social landscape that we have today, but then into the metaverse of tomorrow, into the virtual worlds that we'll start to step into over the next several years. And and we are quite literally with this podcast looking into the future, specifically with this episode, but again, looking back at a kind of, you know, when you joined the founding team, because Akash is is essentially the CEO, you don't even have the title in, in, in your job title as a founder or as an entrepreneur. You are somebody that went initially 
especially when you started with director of content. Why did you kind of go for a title that wasn't necessarily, you know, as frontal as it might normally be these days when people say, I am the CEO, I am the founder? That's a, that's a really great question. I mean, um, you know, I've always been entrepreneurial myself. I'm always starting businesses, always doing things on the side. I mean, the life of a director mm-hmm. and an actor is innately entrepreneurial. You are your own business. Um, and I got to enjoy what that was like in Los Angeles for several years before seeing, you mm-hmm. know, and, and always being interested in technology growing up. I never thought like I really do this, like, you know, Mark Zuckerberg style technology company. I had no background in coding, had no relationship with developers. But when this opportunity came, I thought, hmm, what a beautiful opportunity from the universe to marry what I know have been deeply trained in and love um, how I can marry that with a, you know, a dormant passion of technology that I never was able to fully realize growing up in San Diego, California. Wasn't necessarily the biggest tech hub. And so when the opportunity came, I literally told um, our head of product, James Andrews, who was bringing me on at the time, I said, you know, I want you to know everything in my life had prepared me for this moment to be ready to accept and excel at doing the job that you guys are looking to do. And no one else is better trained than I am at doing this Um, because it really was such a a wild collision of skills that they were looking for. And so I, you know, not really caring for the title um, or for the money, but seeing that the company, um, you know, was well backed, I thought, hmm, this is my opportunity to dive into big business, to dive into technology and being one of, you know, less than a handful of people on the team being a founding team member, which it's actually interesting. They, they gave, um, were able to bring that title to a group of us who had been here since the beginning and offer that to us to really affirm on paper that we have been part of this founding group. I have learned so much in the last several years that it really became evident as time went on and the days turned to weeks, months, and years that every single second that I got to stay with this group, I'd be learning more and more. And that was the intention from the beginning. From the beginning, Advice is always like jump off when you stop learning, right? <laughs> but I could never see us not learning in this uh, wild west environment that we're, you know, paving the way as we go. So that's why I stay and that's why I joined. And, and you sort of touched very briefly upon some questions, which I was going to ask down the line. But I mean, you, you alluded to you know, to Facebook, to Mark Zuckerberg, you know, the fact that you're not in Silicon Valley, but you're in LA, the fact that obviously you're in the US, but you are also a tech startup, you know, what does a typical day in the life of a tech startup back at the day you started look like? Uh, I mean, for me, it was, um, it was waking up, um, going to our WeWork uh, on sunset, um, and then setting up a selfie camera and uh, <laughs> recording videos of myself portraying all colors of the emotional rainbow while folks uh, would walk around my cubicle with their coffees looking at me wondering why this guy was crying at 8.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like um, kind of a funny thing to see in a wee work. Like, are you okay? Like, no, no, no I'm fine. Like, don't, please don't. <laughs> this is just my job. <laughs> this is what, yeah, this is my job. And, um, and that's what it was for the first, you know, first six months of my time there at Genie's. And then we would take that, those videos, we would bring them to our animation team. They would bring those to life. We would test those with Gen Z, see the reaction, and then rinse and repeat, pivot and um, iterate um, on the emotional expression. Because, you know, the way that kids want to express themselves isn't bound by the way that we're physically limited to. We see this in AR masks. We see this in, in video games. We see people wanting to express and represent themselves in fantastical ways, especially the younger generations and the, and the older generations. But they say young folks uh, drive culture and 50-year-old mothers buy it. So it really just, um, you know, depends on the, the vantage point. We always want to stay ahead of the curve and social consumer is driven by Gen Z. So that's the target market that we were developing for. But um, 
Yeah, that's what the typical day would look like. And just to put this in perspective, you've got Shawn Mendes, Justin Bieber, Rihanna, you know, Cardi B, the lot. You've got them all on your books, so to speak. There's been, yeah, I mean, we've had thousands of uh, celebrities that we've produced avatars for over the last several years, and I've used their their genies in, in beautiful ways. Everything from music videos to Times Square activation, social media posts. I mean, you go on Spotify and check out J Balvin's Colores album. You'll see us chilling in the in the Spotify canvas there um, with his, using his genie. It really is a massive value add to them. And that's why it went from, you know, us in the first few months of the of the agency, you know, reaching out to our investor base, connecting with different folks. And then very quickly, it became an inbound snowball effect where then we were having to build out. And we're now in this phase now, given our recent announcements with WMG of, of formally now building out avatars for all their high level talent across their various labels. You know, it was a process of uh, of now figuring out who we can prioritize because it's such a value add to celebrities to scale their likeness without imposing on their time. That's the one scarce resource that they don't have that is a uh, you know holding them back against their most uh, their most valuable resource, their likeness. And so, if we can scale their likeness without imposing on their time, we have uh, an incredible value add that we can bring to talent. We had that. 99% market share over the last couple of years. And with our early tests on third-party NFT platforms like OpenSea, like we did with Sean Mendes, we did the first drop style release on OpenSea with Sean, did over $600,000 in like 15 minutes. Earlier, we did a drop on Nifty Gateway with uh, Mesut Ozil and Boss Logic, you know, Titans in football and Titans in the digital art space. Um, we saw what those, that did like 500K in, in 10 minutes. And what are they buying though? Are they are they buying physically, you know, the, the, the product that they're wearing, the digital? digital kind of elements that they've 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 put in place like Gucci because I know you've got a partnership with Gucci as well. So are they purchasing individuals purchasing that for their avatars or are they purchasing actual hardcore product for themselves? No, exactly. So the the vision was uh, you know we've been creating content for years, but now that we can sell with true ownership on the blockchain NFTs that allow people to grab wearables from their favorite creators, we can have the celebrity avatars marketing wearables from their releases to their fans who can then put those wearables on their own avatar. Do you think, with all the noise in the press about body image influence and marketing and what people perceive as normal, that these avatars are going to help or hinder uh, people's well-being? Um, you know, there, I don't know. Anyone who has a young niece or nephew will know that there's literally anxiety around creating content now. You know, before it was like a funny thing that people did on YouTube. And it's like, oh, my God, you're making YouTube videos. What a weirdo. Obviously, now with the creator economy, it's mainstream. But there's now anxiety in the younger generation. Kids who, who don't feel they look the right way, who don't feel they can't dance the same, who feel like they, they, don't, have, they don't have the ring light. So they're not going to have the lighting, right, to make it look professional. And so if we can if we can provide that tool that that gives them freedom to, to create in a way that's just limited by their imagination, hopefully, this, you know, the plague of body dysmorphia and depression and bulimia and all these horrible things that are ravaging young people because of social media will go by the wayside. And, and now the business seemingly is, is flying. You've got good backing. You're, you're growing rapidly. I mean, how, how does one come up with the idea for a digital avatar, a digital human race, if you will? I mean, obviously, your co-founders have, have had something to say of it. But, you know, how do you take that leap of, OK, let's go from the reality to the virtual reality? Sure. Yeah. So uh, if you look at the the three founders, you have uh, Jake Adams, our COO, Evan Rosenbaum, our CPO, and Akash Nagam, our CEO. Akash, born and bred in Silicon Valley, an absolute uh, genius and family at this point. You know, he saw growing up folks who were suffering from being um, 
incredibly um, depressed by social media. People, you know, kids who are being ravaged by Instagram and, and Facebook and, and even back in the day, MySpace, seeing how people were reacting to putting their lives online. And, and, he, st and he started experiencing some of that depression himself. Um, and he saw that maybe, you know, if people could have this, this curated persona that they could represent themselves as they truly see themselves on the inside. And that's a key point, right? For, for everything that we have reference to for avatars, like, um, you know, any of the, the Microsoft avatar or the, the Apple or, you know, Nintendo avatars, you're seeing that there's a, an attempt at giving people the ability to represent themselves as a one-to-one. -one. You know, you're a white male, make a white male. Right? That's kind of like the, the visual indication and creativity that we're providing that have been provided. But he saw that why do you limit people to the things that were stuck within the physical world? Give people a bigger palette, give people more, people more tools to represent themselves. And so he started dreaming up this idea of avatar as identity, as universal digital identity. And it really came from this emotional place of thinking, how can we give people tools that are commensurate with all the time that we pour into our online identities? And how can we protect people's mental health while we're doing it? Do you think then in the future there might be meetings virtually like this, for instance, as we are having right now, whereby there is a hologram or a visual of a genie and one, its mouth is moving at the same speed, the same pace, and actually we have that rapport as we would do in the room together because we can see the physicality, albeit virtually? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's already happening. There's there's interviews and podcasts being recorded in Decentraland and, you know, in other virtual metaverses, and uh, this, is, this is already happening. It's just not necessarily as accessible or mainstream yet. So, I mean, speaking of all the noise that's going on online with genies and, and the brand and the avatars as a whole, you're incredibly quiet, Izzy, online. There's not a huge amount about you as an individual. Is there a reason for that? Uh, you know, I I feel like when I when I'm when it's time to make noise, I'll make noise. But right now, you know, twenty four seven, I'm committed. Uh, to genies and building the vision and the noise that the company makes is noise that I'm making vicariously. Because you're a musician as well, aren't you, in past time? Uh, yes, yeah. Dropped a, a holiday uh, charity album at the end of last year called It's Never Too Early with a bunch of my mates. Uh, one original track, an original Hanukkah banger to give the Jewish kids something to, to turn up in their car along the holidays since we don't really have anything besides Adam Sandler to represent uh, <laughs> the vibes um, on the holidays. But uh, So definitely check it out. It's Never Too Early. Where can we find that? You can find that on Spotify, Apple Music, um, SoundCloud, YouTube, anywhere that you stream, it should be available. And when you go about actually in raising investment, raising Series A, B, C, D, whatever that might be, how do you go about doing that? Because you had been heavily involved in especially Series B. And what did that look like as a process? Sure. Yeah. You know, most of the process is actually handled by our CEO, Akash, who, who uh, you know, fundraising and, and ra uh, is part of his, uh, his wheelhouse and his focus. But, you know, most of the time, you know, he's focused on product or hiring now that we're we have the capital. You know, the process um, is interesting. You know, it, it for us, we've been blessed because it's been usually preempted. You know, in any of the rounds that I've uh, been privy to or been a part of, it's folks coming to us asking how they can get involved, you know, and us saying, well, maybe now it's not the right time. How can we be strategic about this capital? What specifically are we going to do with it? Because you don't want just dumb money to do nothing with. You know, it's I think a lot of folks might get into that trap like, OK, there's money at the door. Let's take it and, and, and figure out what to do with it. Now, we for us, it's always been very strategic. Every step of the way has been planned. And so when we took on capital this time, you know, it's to bring this broad vision to life at the perfect time where the universe, you know, conspired in our favor. We had COVID teaching the world that emotional intimacy and time 
times of physical separation is imperative for happiness in humans. hundred, that must have propelled you guys. Big moment for the company. It taught it taught everyone a lot about the importance of avatars. We don't even have to like, ex you know, in the old decks, Oliver, we had to, we had a whole few page a uh, few pages on just what was what is an avatar and why. Right. And now it's it's unnecessary. People get it. So that was the uh, you know, that's what COVID taught the world. Next, we had NFTs that taught digital ownership is important to the mainstream and it's it's coming very quickly. And everyone is interested in getting involved and understanding it. And um, and so between those two things, you basically are proving out the importance and the the revenue model of avatars. Uh, and so those are um, moments that led us to this recent series. And, but you guys clearly transact with physical currency when you're actually doing or selling or buying your items for your avatars, right? Do, are you guys going to look at transacting through, again, digital currency, cryptocurrencies, for instance, seeing as you are, you know, on the NFT bandwagon, you are a digital being anyway? Sure. Yeah. So um, in that, uh, in regards to that, you know, our marketplace is going live in the next few months. It's the second flagship after NBA Top Shot with Dapper Labs. This will be the avatar wearable NFT marketplace. Um, and this is going to be a place where you can use fiat or um, I think you, you say physical currency, but, you know, um, traditional currency, you could say, use your credit card to buy NFTs or you could use crypto. And that's all baked into Dapper's ecosystem of how you use either flow tokens or Ethereum or whatnot. You know, we're, we're building those on ramps and off ramps so people can put their fiat, their traditional currency into the ecosystem to buy, but then also can, once they're ready to bring it off the system, they have the tools to do so. And that really is the most important part. Are you looking for a PR company that can evaluate your brand profile and execute effective communications? Well, Blocks and PR, who work with some of the largest brands in the fashion, field sports and luxury lifestyle sectors, can do exactly that. Developing long-term relationships is at the heart of the Blocks and ethos. Combining big thinking with big results, they simply never miss a trick, and they certainly didn't miss a trick, by partnering with us. Check them out at blocksandpr.com. Speaking about, um, I suppose, investment, money, coins, etc., Humans, which is a sister brand to Genies, is a kind of venture capital investment arm. Is that right? What's the purpose and reason behind that then? Yeah, it's, you know, we see it as uh, fueling the metaverse, fueling avatar innovation. If we see uh, a company that is strategic to align ourselves with, it's it's beautiful to be able to write a check and show our support um, and admiration as well as strategic alignment uh, with a product that we offer, whether it's, you know, connecting with a celebrity avatar or leveraging our technology for bringing uh, av you know avatars or genies into their platform, um, it's a great way for us to uh, support and feed the beast, as we like to say. So, what typically would a perfect company look like for you guys to merge with then, or buy, or acquire? Sure, and, and and you know down the line it would be acquire. In the short term, it would be invest in. So I would say you know of some of our recent announced investments that I can share are uh, OpenSea, Super Rare. Uh, Clubhouse, Dapper Labs, um, Infinite Objects, these are all Web3 or Metaverse companies. So in terms of Clubhouse then, because it's that, you know, some people are for it, some people think it's going to phase out over the next 12, 18 months. Your stance is obviously it's around to stay because you, you, you know, put the skin in the game, pump some cash into it. Where do you see Clubhouse working? Yeah, you know, I think where, let's start with where it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work if you um, only allow spontaneous everybody's to try and create interesting, engaging conversations. You know, not everyone is a master orator. 
And I think they're the, the idea of like the creator economy, you know, an always on synchronous social audio communication as a platform that just allows anybody to spontaneously pop up a conversation is not going to always lead to interesting content. YouTube has a beautiful algorithm. It's like, here's dope things all the time because so there's, because there's even more not dope things, right? And it took the algorithm to find that incredible content and to serve it up to you. But with synchronous to say that just anybody right this moment can create something engaging and special. That's a really hard thing to ha help people discover. But I think if they can start to, and, then, and they have the funding to do it, to start to pivot or bring in, you know, professional content creators, people who make this their life, people who program, people who treat Clubhouse like television or radio. I think I totally get it then, you know, but you're going to need almost like an ABC or an NBC or a Fox or whatever, like a, almost like a 24-7 news cycle. You're going to need people who are creating around the clock, delivering synchronous content that's planned out and uh, and professional with production value poured into it with, you know, forethought, you know, the inflection point for growth was um, the Lion King musical that was performed on Clubhouse. And that was exquisite to watch. And the reason it was so incredible was because of the forethought that wasn't just spontaneous. Um, you know, that was that was planned. And I think it's going to take more of that sort of content if, it, the, if the platform is really going to pop off. So Clubhouse are overcoming hurdles. They've made some mistakes and they're sort of innovating as they as they progress. Now, you guys must have come up against some pretty big mistakes, hurdles, issues over the last three or so years. How do you overcome them? You know, I think it comes down to your core values and core mission. Um, I think oftentimes when things aren't going right, unless it's a, a fundamental flaw in the thesis of the company. You, you know, you've gone out too far on a limb. You're, t you're too far from the source. You're trying to do too many things at once. Um, and if you can get back to, you know, aggressively cutting out the things that are not moving you forward, that are not working, if you can do that, which is can be very difficult because in, in startup, you know, a lot of things can be shiny or exciting and oh, so many meetings and biz dev and blah, blah, blah. If you can get back to your core thesis and put your head down and, and get away from the distraction, I think generally you can navigate around the problems or you take a look at the mirror and say, is the core idea still valid? And you in your personal life then, because you're an incredibly positive guy, but an incredibly busy guy as well. How do you actually kind of motivate yourself and get over that kind of shit? Yesterday was a bad day. Actually, I don't want to go into the office today. How do you kick into gear? Um, my morning starts off um, immediately brushing my teeth and then I meditate. And then I journal um, and then I look at a little altar that I've built to remind me of the six or 10 different sort of rituals that I can pick from depending on my mood from that day. And I select a few things that uh, will get me right, whether it's get my body right, get my head right. It could be affirmation work. It could be uh, somatic work. It could be trauma release work. It could be a number of things. <laughs> it might be just looking at myself in the mirror as like we used to do back in the day and just like amping ourselves up and yelling at ourselves <laughs> like we're about to go onto a football match, you know, like a, you know, Trojans going into battle. It could be a number of things to just get excited um, and ready for the day. Fortunately, how could I not be excited every day with the opportunity in front of us? We have the ability of, of, of changing the world. I really do see us as a as a Facebook scale idea, as a Google scale idea, um, if executed, right? So Izzy, in, term, in terms of when Gucci came on board, obviously at the moment they have physical designers that actually, I suppose, design, you know, um, product that you can buy. I mean, are you looking at Genies working with Gucci and people like that to actually hire graphic designers and such like to create these digital, uh, I suppose, garments? Yeah, I mean, our team now, uh, you know, it's 60 folks strong, should be 120 by the end of the year, is mostly technical. 
already. These are developers, graphics engineers, you know, designers from uh, Pixar, Disney, Google, you know, the, the top firms in the world, the best uh, first in class talent that you can find in, the, in these areas. Um, and we are actively, you know, curating uh, and, and, de and developing how we build out our visual language. Right. Whether it's bringing on a brand like Gucci with over a hundred years of, uh, of identity or, um, you know, the, the, the world's uh, newest and largest pop sensation, whatever it might be. And then still channeling whatever their brand is through our lens of how we see the world. And so it is a big focus and will continue to be a focus and, 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 and also evolving this from an internal, you know, from our internal studio all the way to a, a UGC standpoint where the, you know, the 14 year old in Tokyo or Tallahassee can jump onto our platform and design their own vision for a fantastical expression. They can become the next Virgil Abloh using our tools and developing fashion for the digital world. That's where we're headed to. Um, and, uh, and we'll continue on this path. And, you know, in the coming months, you'll see on our, our marketplace exactly how that vision expresses itself. Mm -hmm. Well, I introduced it saying I think this is probably the first unicorn that we will have uh we will have got on the show, and I think if we were to look back in three or four years' time, I think you guys are going to be going to be smashing it. I mean, you already are smashing it, but I mean, really flying. Do you think three, four, five, six years' time you're still going to be in the business, or are you guys going to have floated and shifted it? Oh, I mean, we've we've been focused on digital identity since the beginning, and we'll continue to focus on digital identity. Um, I, you know, I, I see us certainly in the space, and if nothing else, it's crazy. You know, I, we always. We've always believed, even when we were six kids above a taco shop, that there would be up into the right motion for the company. But we didn't expect COVID. We didn't expect NFTs this hard. You know, we've been talking with Dapper Labs for almost two years now, talking with some of the blockchain providers for almost two years now. And so I certainly see us continuing our, our rise, maybe at not the same pace, maybe at a faster pace. But I, you know, at this point, and we've known this for the last, you know, few years now we, we we've seen the writing on the wall and we've we expected this whether or not we would say that publicly but it's um it's something that we just maintain gratitude for and uh yeah we'll you'll, you'll still see us we'll have to have you by the office in three to five years to have a follow-up conversation 100 percent. in terms in terms of how you met your co-founders and apart from the fact that you were sat above a taco shop when you started and now i'm sure you're in some glossy office somewhere uh, <laughs> how did you come about meeting them yeah so the team when they were building out um when the founders were building out this founding team around this idea of creating digital identity that, you know, they were like, we, you know, we need someone who's, um, we need someone like in, in Hollywood, maybe, or in entertainment, maybe a stand-up comedian. No, no, no. Like a screenwriter or a director. Okay. Just how about just go to someone in LA. Let's get someone in entertainment who can help us build out these emotions, who can help us be the, be the expression, be the personality of the avatars. Um, they started reaching out, of course, I think like you generally do. Before a cattle call, you start with your network. And so um, one of the members of the team um, was in high school uh, with a, a friend of mine from uh, my freshman year dorms who was like, hey, do you know anyone who fits this profile? And my buddy was like, I got the perfect guy for you. Um, and so I remember exactly where I was when I had that, that call where I told you, I was like, Hey, this is a, this is the universe talking to us. This, everything in my life has prepared me for this moment, sixth and Fairfax in Los Angeles. And, uh, and that was sort of the beginning and then began testing and training and, and then finally, um, you know, was brought on and it's been just, um, incredible every single moment since. So it was serendipity. Everything happens for a reason. If you had to give me your, your forecast then Izzy for the next three to five years, where's Jeannie's going to be? Jeannie's is going to be everywhere. Um, it's going to be part of how you uh, show up in any digital environment on any platform, you know, continuing 
our um, our mission of bringing portability uh, to everyone's avatar and sovereignty to everyone's avatar so they can bring it everywhere that they'd like to. Uh, you know, you're going to start to see it eeping in to every aspect of mainstream consumer life. Um, hopefully sooner than that. You know, there's some, you know, we're fortunate to have some of the platform partnerships that we do. So we already have some level um, of uh, universal portability through our partnership with Giphy um, throughout social media. Um, but you're going to continue to see this um, this avatar um, becoming part of everyone's identity online everywhere that they spend their time. And what, what sort of issues should people be looking out for when they go into the tech, the cyber, that kind of digital world, sort of, you know, taking a step back from Genius as a whole and going, okay, if I were to go into the tech world, what would I want to know now? Yeah, you know, I think it's hard. I think it's hard to monolith, um, to be honest, because, you know, for someone going into fintech, very different than someone going into, um, you know, med tech, very different than someone, you know, going into B2B SaaS, right? It's like, just saying tech broadly, I think is is difficult because it the, the question would be specific to the, the field that you're going into. But I guess, I guess what you can always, and this is like entrepreneurship 101, but you just look at a problem, right? What's the problem that you're looking to solve? An example of this is, um, you know, we talked a lot about wellness at the beginning of this, or we briefly touched on it, um, uh, on wellness. And, you know, for a moment during COVID, I was having my own struggles of, of anxiety um, and and honestly like a soft depression um, kind of being stuck in my head, you know, not able to get out of this malaise. Um, and as I was sitting down um, and working on meditation and going through visuals in my head and trying to just center my thoughts, my roommate walked across the wooden floor and I heard this thumping. Um, on the ground. Uh, when I did that, I thought, hmm, how interesting would it be if we had this like physical tactile sort of tool that could help ground our thoughts in our body? Since so much of meditation coaching is around getting you into your body. And I thought of this, this idea of, of a thumper, something that you could plug into the wall, a dumb device. It's not smart because we have enough of those that just drops a bag of sand at a, at a specific pace, kind of like a metronome for music. This is like a metronome for meditation that gets you into your body with this warm, thump feeling and sound um and and that idea was born and now that's being developed and uh we're gonna have an mvp in the next month or two so that i could feel and see is this something that works and resonates and so i guess that goes back to the idea of if you have a problem yourself if you're struggling with something on your own there's a chance that that struggle is shared by several other people thousands or millions of people and if you could build something that solves that problem you have yourself on the way towards building something beautiful if people want to find out more about genies how do they do that uh, definitely check out our Instagram at genies, G-E-N-I-E-S, or go to our website, genies.com. Genius. Excuse the pun. Cheers, Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Oliver. I appreciate it, man. Take care, buddy. Sadly, this is our last episode in Series 2. Thank you ever so much to everybody that's listened, rated, subscribed, and commented. Head over to Apple Podcasts. Keep us in the rankings. We'll be back in August, hopefully, to win another award. 